raccoon. I, who says that in a drag race? I, I just want to know. I, I don't want to know. Man, I just want to know. We're just looking at things. That <gasps> I haven't watched Friendly yet. Oh, my God, you fucking bastard. But I have seen a lot of the guest judges that are going to be on there. Does like that matter? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and someone oh, named wow. Robin that I think people <gasps> are in love with. With a Y? Yeah. We stan Robin. I don't know who that is. He's still fighting with me. Yeah, because you He's should know that. He's being so mean. I don't know who that is. I don't know. Who Call your is. girlfriend. Dancing on my own. I don't have a girlfriend. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, who else was on there? Oh, the girl from Star Wars, from the new Star Wars. Oh, that was out. We don't know her. Her name is something with a D, I think. D? Yeah. Her name is Deborah, and she goes by D. She's a lesbian? D, probably. Um, who else did I see that was on there? Besides Nicki Minaj? Ninky Minjaj. Let's go to the beach. Beach. Let's go get a wave. Mm-hmm. They say, what they're gonna say? Have a drink. Clink. Zone zoo it. Found a Bud Light. Bad bitches Zom like me have to come by. Zone zoo it. Own. Yes, the money's own. You already figured out we we're recording. Yeah, I know, cause I heard you click it. <laughs> My keys are silent. Yeah, I don't. That's not true. I know when you start recording because, like I said, you get more um, exciting, I'm never, excitable. I'm never animated. Because you ever. go from like, okay, Grace, shut up. Okay. Well, yeah, because you're goddamn <laughs> oh, and fighting now we're here. We're on the podcast. You're like, hey, I Thomas come just over. told me to shut the fuck up and you didn't do anything about it. Yeah, because you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> what am I going to do? Tell you, no, Chris, please state your point please for another keep 15 talking. minutes. You're long. I never have a point. I am not long-winded. Speaking of which, I have eight pages. <laughs> Everyone, the long-winded one. Oh, man. Um, well, how was your trip to San Francisco? It was Californication. <coughs> we had a Californication. I don't know what that means. I was talking to somebody yesterday. Well, they were just talking. <laughs> oh, my God. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm talking right now. Okay, we're good. I'm listening through the pain. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways. I was having a conversation with my girlfriend and we were talking about her lipstick. And she said, oh, I like this one. And then I told her, no, you don't like that one. Um, what the fuck just happened? It's just boring conversation. Anyways, no. This girl, uh, man, was like, uh, describe to me what actual Californication is. I never had heard it. We're doing it again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, what? Actual... This is just the Chris hour, everybody. Yeah. I'm still We're just going to listen to Chris sneeze. This is my moment. <laughs> <laughs> this is my moment, and that's what we should have talked about. And I don't understand why you guys could not just have this conversation with me, and I feel very attacked. Oh, my God. My eyes are super runny now. Oh, God. What did you do to me? Okay, hey, back to California. Your eyes are running? Don't you better it. go catch them. <laughs> Here, hold Barbara. She'll make okay, she'll bad. make me not sneeze anymore. She has coronavirus. Ooh, maybe that's what I've got. We love that. Okay, tell me about Californication. Oh, she she wants to make a speech. Yes, Barbara. Right, anyways. Oh, yes, Barbara. Um, yeah, apparently Californication is when a California person leaves and goes to a, a, a non-California place and they're like, all of them go and they're like, we're going to turn this into California. So basically you have like carbon taxes now. What California is doing to Texas right now. Yeah. I love that. Have Keep you ever up. heard of it like that before? No. Yeah. 
I thought it was just a show. I thought it was just a, a, th- a song from, like, who's that? Red, Red Hot Chili Peppers? Is yeah. That yeah, that one. It is a song. You're right. Thomas would like that. Thomas. Yeah, see? He wow. Back when he was in high school. Was that back from when you were in high school? College. Oh, I was so close. I was going to say that. I think that was middle school for us. Yeah, I don't know. Probably elementary school for me. I just remember <laughs> being like, this song is not good. I didn't listen to anything else besides Kids Bop when I was a kid. Just kidding. Like 70s and 80s music to like ACDC and like Aerosmith and I had a brain and I, I listened to whatever listen- music I wanted to and it was Aqua <laughs> I'm she a Barbie girl queen. the Barbie world <laughs> do you want to know what my first CD that I ever bought on my own was I bet it was that one it was Aqua yeah because your boy is gay yeah I used to sing I'm a Barbie girl that I'm sure my parents knew because I was what like six or seven whenever I you would sing and dance that song. Your mom was like, oh, Rick, Rick, um, <laughs> he's gay. <laughs> like, you see that boy over there? <laughs> he's gay. <laughs> he's gay. <laughs> you know, he's like a, you know, the, the wrist. <laughs> like, like this. Okay. Like, ooh. 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 <laughs> Capping. Capping. <laughs> Callback. Terrible. Callback. Um. Yeah, we're almost up to episode 40. Yeah, so... One uh, of my friends reached out and was like, oh my God, you guys are almost at a year. And I'm like... This is episode 38. I know, it's all thanks to me. Shut the fuck up. You've done nothing. I show You up. have done nothing. <laughs> That's a start, right? I got guest stars for our Ruby podcast sometimes. Sometimes. That's a key word. Occasionally. <laughs> Once in a while. Depending You on just called Rudolph and Rudolph was like... Seriously. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fine, I guess so. <laughs> I'll get off work just to come do your podcast. Shit. You owe me. You owe me. I owe you? You owe me. What do I owe That's you? what Rudolph is saying Oh, to you. yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, so we went, to, or me and uh, Thomas went to San Francisco. Uh-huh. Um, and we went to Alcatraz. Uh-huh. We saw some birds that yeah. sounded like us. And so we posted on our spoopy podcast. Our spoopy podcast <laughs> at Instagram.com. Yep. And our spoopy on Twitter, Twitter, and our spoop Boop on Facebook. Facebook. Uh, so we did that. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and we might have to bring that to you in a later episode. What the birds? No, the history of Alcatraz. Oh, yeah, because there was pretty cool murderers. Murderers. There. Yeah, there's a lot of people that go there. Murderers. I'm gonna be too distracted. Yeah, by this. Take, take, take Barbara. She's gonna control the sound. Yeah. Ugh, I'm not done. She's um, staring at me. I wonder what you know. I never. I think Barbara's a ring finger. But I've never actually know, known which finger out, she like, was. Can you fit a ring on her? I've told the people Maybe at my like new work about. Put a ring on. Yeah, they, you told me that they didn't get it. They were like, "What? Bitch is weird." <laughs> and I was like, "All right, so okay, nobody's gonna okay. give me mannequin fingers here. <laughs> Fine, I see how you all y'all are. But I'm gonna leave y'all guys. Fuck you." <laughs> Wink, 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 nudge, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> we can't say that yet, though, okay. because Fine. I'm not supposed to. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be a surprise. Okay, mm-hmm. um, what was I oh, I went to Austin this weekend. And oh, wow. Got to hang out with it's my... It's not as cool as San Francisco, but you... I mean, you went somewhere. Yeah, it's a little bit cooler. Congratulations. Um, yeah, honestly, just give me a reason to get out of the wow, house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you put pants on? Uh, most of the time. Wow, yeah. good work. I didn't... I had pants on most of the time. Um, we just basically did you go get drunk, get high, and go cow tiffing like I you did, did last time. I did both of those things. 
I did not do cow tipping. Um, I mean, I didn't get high. What? Because um, that's not legal in the state of Texas. Oh, my God. <laughs> you imbibed marijuana? I did not. I... Um, <laughs> I'm getting hand signals <laughs> I'm not to shut up. Hand <laughs> I'm getting. Um, I'm. I'm seeing. <laughs> your grandfather's name started with a J. No. Is there a J in your family? No. Okay. R. No. Yes, there is. No. Uh huh. No. <laughs> You're, there's a person with a name R in your family. No. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Maybe I need to square off my nails like the jersey. Yeah. <laughs> the housewife thing. Okay. P. Yeah. <gasps> oh, see? My first letter is actually P. There's a silent P in my name. Yes. <laughs> and the spirits are telling me uh-huh. that that P is going, it misses you. And it wants you to know that you're okay. You win. And that it'll see you again someday. Because it's silent? Uh-huh. Anyway, so Austin was good because I got to see people from... He's really emotional, guys. He just I'm, wants to move I've on. been crying. It's okay. Mostly and I because mean, of the sneeze, but... Yeah, I know. Yeah. I got a that sneeze really hits hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm crying a little bit, too. You cry all the time. I... <laughs> let's talk about that, okay? Let's talk about gay stuff. Let's talk about gay stuff. <laughs> Actually, we should plug our first sponsor first. Well, also keep crying. And tell us why why you're crying now. We can't lead in with that. Okay. Well, never because mind. of inclusivity. Did you just call me a tramp on Twitter? Oh my god, I love that. While I'm busy. I'm busy. <laughs> um, hold on, I have to look something up. Hey, Chris, do you like bread? Yes. <gasps> I don't want to be bread. <laughs> he finally said he likes bread. No. Um. Anyways, I never got to finish my Austin story. So we went to this bar called the Tipsy Alchemist, um, which like the it has like these really nice like stairs leading up to it. And there was a guy in like a tux waiting up front. And so we walked by it and we were like, I don't think we're dressed nice enough to go in there. And, and then we said, like asked like, please Can, love me. Are we allowed to go in there? He's like, yeah, go ahead. And he like took our IDs and whatever. And we went up there. They have like these really fancy craft cocktails and they're fucking fantastic. So if you're ever in Austin and you're looking for something to do and want to get like a nice cocktail. Um, Hold on. Cocktail. Are we getting paid for this? No. But I'm give, doing it out of the my own heart. Wow. Um, you should go to the, the Tipsy Alchemist because I actually really enjoyed it. But anyway, I really enjoyed seeing my friends uh, because I hadn't seen them in like two years because I met them when I was in South Africa. Wow. Um, She's awesome. just talking about her trips because she wants to overshadow me. Yeah. Because I actually go cool places. Hey, watch. Look. Oh. Yeah, that's me. I got a new fan. It, it says, says a word that starts with C. And ends with unt. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. So should we... Should we go ahead and get started on the spoopy stuff? But before that... Well, yeah, we've definitely got to talk about our favorite organization. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Do you have it And Focus up? Group. Yeah. Okay. And Focus Group supports organizations on their LGBTQ journey through training, consulting, and speaking. The... Am I allowed to go? Yes, okay. please. Tell <laughs> the, us more. The In Focus Group team is passionate about connecting organizations and individuals to the power of LGBTQ diversity and inclusion. And Focus Group works to develop partnerships with organizations pursuing an LGBTQ inclusive workplace culture. 
We know that organizations achieve their best outcomes when LGBTQ. L, I said P. LGBTQ. The P is for people. <laughs> yeah. Employees bring their full and authentic selves to the workplace. Those organizations willing to invest in LGBTQ inclusion thrive financially and from positive brand recognition. Learn more about the work at InFocus Group and how they can help your organization with LGBTQ diversity and inclusion by visiting their website at www.infocusgroup.com. That's www.enfocusgroup.com. Check out InFocus Group's blog and also sign up for InFocus Group's newsletter and receive your first PDF. Nine returns on establishing and maintaining LGBTQ inclusive workplace cultures. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Tell God. us. Tell us, honey. Tell us the story, honey. So we're talking about spooky stuff? Yeah. So we're, we still continue our theme for mysteries, right? Did it's still mystery, mysterious theory. Mysterious theory. Mysterious theory. And uh, I believe that it's <laughs> my turn to go first. Oh, okay. Is that what you think? <laughs> <laughs> do, it, do it. Do it. Oh, that wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Oh, it, didn't it sounds loud. good up here. Oh, does it? It just Let me finish my first hard. drink first. Oh, Lord. I think I'm done with my wine. Okay. Well, you go get some wine, and I'm going to talk to you about somebody named. You finished the white one, right? Oh, yeah. Is there another bottle in the fridge? There might be another bottle in the fridge. There's another bottle in the fridge. Okay, hold on. Um, I'm going to talk to you about somebody named Brandon Lawson. I don't know who that is. He's from Texas, so um, I don't know why you don't know him. Um, I don't know everything that's in Texas. Is Chance Hanton? You really don't know everyone, any, everybody from any Texas? Everybody? Oh, my back hurts. I'm going out. I'm going to burn. Oh, there's a white one. Are you going to burn something? No, you drink it. Oh, somebody got a white claw. Let's got to open it on the microphone. No, open it on the microphone. We're doing that. Well, you were so disappointed that it didn't sound good the first time. Okay, you ready? Hold on. What? I don't have nails. Ah, damn it. I ruined it. You fucking bitch. Anyways, <laughs> God damn it. Brandon Lawson. Yeah, Brandon Lawson. Um, so your boy is going to give a whole lot of credit to... Um, somebody else because she didn't write this at all because I was you mean you or the other person me oh I was very busy um oh he thinks just because he has a job currently that he's like mm, don't be busy I can't do it mm. that's all I did today Listen, I love that for you at my job yeah I, I was for. doing actual shit oh painting old women you know who else was who? Krista Johnson. Who's Krista Johnson? Kristen jo- Krista Johnson is uh, a reporter for the San Angelo newspaper. <laughs> and she wrote an article for me. Oh, did she? Just specifically you. like, hey, Spencer. Yeah. It's me again. Okay. Just yeah. writing. Yeah. She was like, hey, um, do you need something to talk about? And I was like, oh, girl, yes. She was I like. need help so much. And she just, it, uh, can I make a sli- sliding noise like yes. this? Yeah, that was I can hear that. Yeah, that was the paper. Okay, we're not gonna come for my fucking English right now. (laughs) Fuck. Because he's he's from a different country. Okay. Listen, listen. I'm listening. Um, Do not get loud with me. So, Brian. I'm listening. (laughs) Janet Manet. Janet Manet. 
You know, I saw today uh-huh. nothing that I'm going to tell you about. Um, according to a photo, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing. Okay. Is it one of those moments that I'm going to tell you off the podcast and you're going to forget and never actually tell me? Yeah. <laughs> Does it keep you on your toes? No, because we always forget. Oh. I think late at night oh. it like. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, look at me. Like, oh, oh so bad. Oh, poor thing. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> um, so, okay. Brandon Lawson. Yes. So have you heard of Brandon Lawson? No, I haven't. So he's from West Texas. Like the city west or West Texas? West, like Western Texas. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about his disappearance. <laughs> oh. uh, so according to a phone call he had with his father around 1130 on the night that he had went missing, uh, Brandon was headed to his parents' house in Crowley, which was about three hours away from his home. I've heard of Crowley. Have I? I don't know. You're from a hole in the wall. Church. Blouses. Then I mean, I know every fucking city, like Egypt. Bumfuck? Is it Egypt, Texas? Bumfuck. Cut. Is there a bumfuck? Bumfuck Egypt. Cut and shoot. Cut and shoot. Yeah. Yes. And there's Paris. Yeah, I know that one. That's a good one. Is it? Yeah. There's also like a realm. Or listen to my goddamn story. Sorry, I'm listening. <laughs> um, so it was just past 12.30 a.m. when he called his brother, Kyle. Oh, we need so many more Kyles in the world. Well, he drinks a lot of Monster and punches the walls. Oh. Um, Poor Kyle. Who also lived in San Angelo, where uh-huh. he is from. And he asked for help because he ran out of gas. In Crowley. Between San Angelo and Crowley. Okay. Okay, so uh, there's a lot of quotations and there's a lot of... Uh, Please don't give... Crazy accents, anyone? <laughs> Baby. That's what people pay for, honey. <laughs> <God>. <clears throat> you mean that's what Dusty pays for? <laughs> me, 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 me. Unique New, New York. York. Unique New York. Mellow, okay. mellow, me- yellow, mellow, mellow. Red leather, leather, yellow. Red leather, <laughs> yellow, leather. I already messed that up. The big black bear bled blue blood. So three expletives. Are chasing me out of town. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm not going to do an accent. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but how are they going to know when it's a different person? Three expletives are chasing me out of quote. town. Whatever. Brandon told his brother. When Brandon said it was the Mexicans in the neighborhood, Kyle asked if he was tripping, if oh, it was drugs me? that caused him to hallucinate. But Brandon denied that it was all in his head. Kyle went over to Brandon and Lofton's house less than a mile away to get a can of gas. I just have to switch my modes here and it's loading. Uh, Then he headed out of town with his wife at the time and at the time, four-year-old son. The brothers kept making calls to one another, but Kyle said that Brandon wouldn't have a full conversation with him, more or less saying a sentence or two and then hanging up. At one point, Brandon said he was running through a field and was bleeding, which Kyle took as him tripping over some rocks or another minor minor accident of the sort. At 12.50 a.m., Brandon called 911, which at the time rang the local nursing home in Robert Lee, which is a city. Why would you name your city Robert Lee? Because yeah. Civil War and Confederates and all that stuff. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. racism. That is racism. Thanks, Thomas. Yes. We're not having a fight on the fucking podcast. <laughs> Thomas! <laughs> very mad at me. The card the call is hard to understand, but many have said that Brandon sound distressed. Brandon. Brandon. 
sounded distressed. Among a series of unclear statements, he told dispatchers that he ran out of gas and was in the middle of a field and that he needed help, and he asked them to please hurry. When the dispatcher asked Brandon if he needed an ambulance, he said, No, I need the cops. Spotty cell phone service kept several calls to and from Brandon Lawson from connecting. Here's a look at the phone records. 12.51 a.m. Kyle called Brandon and left a voicemail. 12.51. Brandon called Lofton, but she didn't answer. Who the fuck is Lofton? His wife. Hmm. After their fight and lacking a wall charger, Lofton had taken her phone to the car to charge. Do you remember when people used to tell, tell people that? What? I'm charging my phone in the car. I do that. When you're not in it? What? Like I'm leaving my phone in my car? Yeah. No. People used to do that. Oh, I don't remember that. You remember the Razor? Yeah. Anyway. 1252. They're coming back. I know. Anyway. You remember Nokia? Mm-mm. Kyle's wife called Brandon, <laughs> then called again. <laughs> <laughs> And then Kyle called Brandon at 12.54 a.m. 12.57 a.m., Brandon called his neighbor. 12.58 a.m., Brandon called Kyle and then called again. But none of these calls are connecting. No. 12.58, the neighbor called three times. 12.59, Kyle calls Brandon again. 1.04 a.m., The dispatcher at the nursing facility called Brandon back, trying to get more information about his location and what was wrong. She left a voicemail and called once more. 1.09 a.m., Brandon called Kyle three times. 1.12 a.m., Kyle called Brandon three times. 1.15 a.m., Brandon called Kyle twice, the last calls he made from his phone. 1.19 a.m., all calls made to his phone begin going straight to voicemail. Post phone is off or broken. Yes. <clears throat> Deputy Brandon or Deputy Neil arrived at Brandon's pickup just after <clears throat> 1 a.m. Pickup. He has a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. After the dispatch received a 911 call from the trucker along US 22 or 277 that reported Brandon's F-150 obstructing traffic by being over the white line. The last gas station before Bronte is in San Angelo, a distance of about 30 miles between one another. So Neil had responded to plenty of calls of people running out of gas. When he arrived at Brandon's pickup, Brandon was not there. But Kyle was just pulling up, his brother Kyle. Mm-hmm. Quote, I can see you. I'm right here. No. <laughs> I can see you. I'm right here. Uh-huh. Kyle said to Brandon. Kyle said Brandon told him, although he couldn't see his brother anywhere. Wait, so he's on the phone with him at this point? Mm-hmm. You said this was right at one. Yeah. I thought you said none of the calls were connecting. 119. What? Some of them are connecting, I guess. Oh. Well, yeah. He had gotten a hold of him once or twice, but mm-hmm. he's only hearing like two seconds of his conversations. Okay. With an active warrant out of Johnson County for possession with intent to deliver, Kyle assumed Brandon was hiding to avoid getting in trouble with the police. I hollered and screamed my brother's name, and he never came out. Um, that's Kyle said that um, at the time, neither Neil or Kyle knew about the 911 calls that Brandon had made. Even though Neil was there because of that? No, he wasn't there because of Brandon's calls. He was there because the trucker called oh, and said his phone okay. was or his car was in the in the way. 
Kyle told Neil the pickup belonged to his brother and that he was walking along the road, but his phone kept losing reception, purposely leaving out the fact that Brandon said that he was close by. At the time, I didn't feel like he was in any danger, Kyle said. After Kyle and Neil began or be, finished talking, Kyle decided to drive away and park up the road to see if his brother would come out once the deputy left. I sat there for a good 30 to 45 minutes, Kyle said. But eventually he left because his four-year-old son was crying. He was hungry. Well, why'd you bring him? <laughs> you just going to leave the baby at home? You said his wife was there too. Yeah. So why didn't he leave both of them at home? Because she can help. How? By he, don't, he doesn't know what's happening. Anyways, continue. Uh, he wasn't able to put gas in the can because his check hadn't hit his bank account yet. So oh he had left it in the bed of the pickup, thinking Brandon would be able to walk to the gas station. I go back to San Angelo. I get food for my kid and stuff. I figure, okay, he's just out there. He's hiding because of the police. He's going to be out there whenever I go back. When I take the gas, maybe the police officer will be gone by then, Kyle said. When he did get back to the pickup about 5 a.m., Brandon was not anywhere to be found. I hollered and screamed for my brother, and he never came out. Is Brandon Lawson missing on purpose? <laughs> this is the article, bitch. Yeah, I know. Okay. One working theory is that Brandon Lawson's criminal past and rocky relationship pushed him to voluntarily disappear and start a new life. Because the pick pickup truck was over the white line and Brandon was the only one with a key... Coke County had it towed a little over 8 a.m. on August 9th, 2013. Next day, according to the sheriff's office report, Deputy Neal checked into one of the homes and properties of owners who were gone because many people in the area used their land seasonally, looking to see if anything had been disturbed or for signs someone might have gotten water from them, but he didn't find anything. Later that day, he checked the same area with a thermal imaging camera, but it didn't register a human-sized heat wave. On August 11, Neil reported a small private search team gathered at 8 a.m. and ended their search at about noon. Quote, the only sign of anyone being in that area was a spot under a tree where it appeared someone sat down close to the roadway within eyesight of where Lawson's pickup broke down, the report states. Texas Ranger Lieutenant Dwayne Gall. What a Texas name. <laughs> Seriously. I love that. Met Neil and Coke County Sheriff Wayne McCutcheon, McCutcheon. also a good one, <laughs> uh, about the case on August 12th. Neil reported Goal came to the same conclusion as he and McCutcheon did that, quote, Lawson is possibly in no longer in Coke County. It would seem uh, but would see about making arrangements on the availability of a DPS helicopter. Lofton came to the sheriff's office to officially file a missing report Tuesday, August 13th. The same day, Texas Ranger Nick Hanna, who now leads the case, came to Coke County to take a helicopter ride over the area from the Colorado River south along the both sides of US-277, near where the pickup was found. It was determined that Lawson was not on the ground due to the fact that there was a lot of exposed bare ground even under the short mesquite and cedar bushes, Neil wrote. His report concluded that, with his opinion that Brandon Lawson is not in Coke County, lost or hiding. The opinion based on Kyle's revelation that Brandon was hiding in the brush near his pickup to avoid being discovered by Neil, not seeing any indication of foul play in or around the pickup truck, 
and the text messages between Brandon and Lofton detailing severity of their fight that night. He had fought with his night, his wife the night yeah, before. Yeah, you said that. Or the girlfriend. Yeah. Um, his belief, he reported, is that he and Kyle left the pickup. Lawson walked back to the road and was able to get a ride from a passing motorist. Years later, Brandon's continued absence has strengthened Neil's views. When he went missing, Coke County was in the middle of a bad drought. During a plane search, Neil said that they were able to spot corn sacks from the air. If you can see those from a plane, you can see someone laying down, he said. At the time, the drought was bad. Leaves were drying up and everything, he said, adding that the river was at an all-time low, the deepest point just reaching his knee. If someone wants to be gone, they can, Neil said, adding Brandon had an active warrant, which, quote, could be contributing factor for why he is gone. Mm-hmm. In addition... So he was just like, I'm peace now. Yeah. Or at least that's what they believe. Nobody knows. Yeah, I know. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> Shut up. In addition to the warrant, those who have followed the case also point to the fact that Brandon cashed in his 401k with Renegade Oil Services right before he went missing. Mm-hmm. Several months before Brandon's disappearance, Kyle Lawson was asked to meet Ranger Hannah, the Mich- Sheriff McCutcheon, and an investigator from Johnson, Co- Johnson County, where Brandon's warrant was issued to answer questions. Wait, Kyle was summoned? Yes. Okay. Before his before his brother disappeared. Oh, before. Okay. They asked Kyle whether he had hurt his brother or given him a ride somewhere. Kyle eventually requested a polygraph test. They said, I passed the one thing on harming or the one on harming and tried to say the first one was faulty because I had coughed a few times during the test, Kyle said. Another man, John Shadden, disappeared from Coke County in two thousand and seven and has never been seen again. Neil said his disappearance was intentional too, a sentiment shared from some of Shadden's acquaintances, but a sentiment Lawson's family staunchly denies as a possibility for Brandon. Another option? Was he harmed? Mm-hmm. Oh, Coke County is like really up there in the middle of fucking nowhere. Where is it? Like up in the like squares area of Oh, in the Panhandle? Square counties, up towards Panhandle. Um, not quite. In the middle of nowhere. absolutely nowhere. Yeah. <coughs> basically um so during the calls before he went missing brandon said he was being chased and requested police during his 911 call some believe that it was evidence someone killed brandon after he left his pickup or the dude was just high as fuck wait <laughs> brandon's father brad lawson goes back and forth on what he thinks happened to his son sometimes he tries to be realistic saying he accepts the chances of brandon being alive or slim other times he admits to nightmares like seeing Brandon forced into slave labor for a cartel. One of the few situations he can think of that would mean Brandon is alive. If Brandon were intentionally harmed by someone, there are endless ways it could have occurred. The Lawson family has wondered whether someone was actually following him that night, whether he stumbled on someone's land and never left, whether his death was a crime of opportunity for someone passing. I'm so scared we're never going to find him, Lofton said. My kids are going to have are going to be having their own kids or getting married and still not know what happened to their dad or where he's at. The couple met in junior high school or in high school during their sophomore year, his junior. When he approached her in the hallway, how scandalous a year apart in high school in Texas. Mm. Mm. It's not Arkansas. Yes. Call back. Oh, Alabama. Come on. I mean, another call. Same thing. (laughs) Basically the same thing. They just fuck their cousins. It's fine. (laughs) 
And they don't have ice cream? Is that what we said? Uh, ice cream and incest. Yeah. That's all they got there. Um, when he approached her on the hallway, he asked if she knew who he was. She proudly responded, no, am I supposed to? Which is what I say to everybody. No. When they ask me any question. Am I supposed to? Hey, sir, what? Um, what? Do, would you like some olives on this salad? No. Am I supposed to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he turned into a fight. <laughs> uh, sounds like someone I know. You. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Even though she had seen him around. Uh, he asked her to write his, her phone number down on a piece of paper. She said, "Wait, is this them in high school? Mm-hmm. Why is why are they telling us this? Because it's a news article. Yeah, they, they love to skip around everything. I'm so scared we're never gonna find him again. Oh my god, no, they really are skipping around. My kids are gonna be having their own kids. Oh, you read, I read that already? <laughs> oh shit! Oh shit! Her name is Ladessa. Who? Lofton is her last name. Ladessa oh. is her first name. Oh, okay." Seems like I should have <laughs> read this a little more thoroughly. Yeah, just a little bit. Whatever. That's okay. <laughs> I had an important thing to do yesterday, mm-hmm. and then I was busy at work today. Yeah. Yeah. When do you do yours? Yeah, are you trying to read us about yeah. research? When do you do yours? Have you asked Tony and Kendall when they research their topics? Everybody is the day of, Okay. You hear that, everybody? We record we, this. We, put we in, researched this the day before. I put in a lot of effort for this, okay? I'm so angry. Yeah, okay. Choices. Choices. Pay me more and then I'll do something else. Oh, no. I'm not fighting with you right now. Nope. We're on a pot. We're recording. I can't, I can't. I can't. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. We're recording right now. Oh my God. No. I don't know. Anyway. Listen, I think it's really disrespectful that we're talking about this like this when we should be talking about Ladessa. Okay. We'll talk about fucking Ladessa. Okay. So Ladessa said. I swear there was already a number on there. She chuckled, but decided to give it to him anyways. His laugh, his personality, and his pretty blue eyes and caught and kept her attention for the next 10 years. Being with family was important to them. They enjoyed doing things together like watching movies, going camping and fishing, living Um, life to the fullest. According to this website that I'm looking at right now, the latest census in Coke County was 3,000 people. That's like the size of my high school. In the entire county. My high school had 4,000 people. So easily, your, your high school was larger than this county. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So The hallways saying, were a little crowded sometimes. Uh, what I'm saying is that they found that they found fell in love with each other in these... Okay, I don't care. I'm just trying to read them for... Uh-huh. So, we weren't the perfect couple. We grew up together. We were babies, but we were happy, she said. We loved happy each babies. other. babies. That's a yoga pose. Mm-hmm. Their fight that night, she said, was the result of several factors. We were stressed out, she said, explaining that he was working over 60 hours a week and they had three kids in the house. Youngest son, only a few months old at the time. For a few, or for a long time, I blame myself, she said. She also regrets, regrets the words spoken during their fight. I will never get those words back, she says. 
Her, her and their children, the 911 call contains the last words they have from their father and her boyfriend. The two older girls listen to it on YouTube, trying to make sense of what he was saying. It just hurts me that I can't find him for them, she said. As a mother, you don't ever want your children to go through that pain. Brad, Brad doesn't believe that his son deserted his family. Something happened that night, and it wasn't him meeting a girl and driving off somewhere, Brad said. In his opinion, the warrant definitely would have been, wouldn't have been enough motivation. Brandon had already done some jail, state, jail in state prison, and Brandon wasn't afraid to take the punishment that was dealt to him, he said. No, I don't believe that. Not for a minute. It took a lot more than that to scare Brandon. Additionally, Brandon was actively making future career plans, Brad said. Brandon had a whole new job he was going to start on Monday with more money and more benefits, Brad said. Lofton said she knew Brandon initiated the process of cashing in his 401k, but doesn't know if he ever got the money. His last check was direct deposited into his account that Friday and was never withdrawn. Okay, so he started the process, but they don't know if he actually got the money for doing those. For I mean, he got the money. He just never took it out. Oh. Of his bank account. Okay. Eventually going to the state to cover... Ch- it, it went to the state to cover his child support for his eldest daughter. That's good. Brandon went up missing in the dead of night. How far could he have actually gone in that terrain? Brad you asked. You do anything on mess. <laughs> I mean... Mass salts fucking rip people's faces off. Woohoo. Brad asked. <laughs> I think we already were arrested for the intent to sell drugs. We don't know what kind of drugs or do we? I mean, there's that sign on the way to the lake house that says, don't meth with me. Does it really? Yeah. Is it about meth? Don't meth with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about meth. Uh, okay. No, I don't what, meth with me. Don't meth with me. What I mean. Does it sound like I have a lisp? Yes. Michael, you always has, have a lisp. Who has a fucking lisp all the time? You. I just said that. I don't understand what a lisp is then. Lisp is. <laughs> lisp lisp um what the fuck is an s supposed to sound like then it's <laughs> holy fucking shit anyways <laughs> beyond not being able to find brandon's body kyle doesn't know or understand how the traces of his brother vanished god damn fucking stupid ass bastard i feel like you're grumpy <laughs> you're making hey. fun of something that i'm not in control of me neither i have a lisp too I have a lisp too. <laughs> Shut up! I wasn't. See, I'm I thought just, that a lisp was this. No, that. Oh well, yeah, I think it is. But there's so many dis- definitions of a lisp. Yeah. How short should my s be? As short as you want it to be, little gay boy. Thomas, say my name. Spencer. That's not what my name sounds like. <laughs> it's Spencer. Spencer. That Spencer. 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 <laughs> if I just say it quick enough, there's no list. Spencer. Spencer. Anyway, <laughs> for Christ's sake. For a person to have a wallet, keys, and a full keychain, socks, shoes, shirt, and a. There's so many S's now. A wallet full of cards <laughs> and money and an ID, and his cell phone, a cell phone case, all that stuff, oh, and boy. not one single thing has ever been found. I just don't understand that, he says. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god grumpy about it. <laughs> oh, man. 
My brother might have been a felon and might have messed with drugs and he might have relapsed, Kyle said, but my brother worked. Why are you laughing? <laughs> yeah, why are you laughing? <laughs> Spoopy? <laughs> hey, if anyone else feels attacked like I do right now, give us a shout out on rspoopypodcast.com. That's rspoopypodcast at rspoopypodcast.com. So, my brother might have been a felon and might have messed with drugs and he might have relapsed, Kyle said, but my brother worked for what he had. He loved his children, he took care of his children, and he was a good person. He wasn't some dope fiend living in the streets robbing people or trying to get one over on someone to get high again. Lofton believes someone knows something about what happened to Brandon, and if they would just come forward, they could make my life, my kid's life, so much better. She hasn't been able to find out the identity of the dispatcher that he spoke to that night, or the one who called, or the trucker who called about his pickup. Oh, I, just what? Touched, I just touched the microphone. Well, stop that. She's never been able to find out the trucker. People that she'd like to talk to about what they think happened to Brandon. I tell myself it was an accident, even though when you listen to the 911 call, you know it's not, she said. When it's your person in your life that you spend every day with and you don't want to think that anyone would want to hurt them. I loved Brandon so much. He was truly the love of my life. You know, when you feel like you can't live with someone, live without someone, that was it. So is she just making like a sad sob story for the article? There's a bit of a sad sob story. Did Brandon Lawson succumb to the West Texas elements? Probably. U.S. Because he was high on meth. (laughs) Wait, no, it was meth. Probably. U.S. 277 cuts through desolate, drought-prone terrain spotted green with thorny mesquite. Huisache? H-U-I-S-A-C-H-E. Huisach. I wouldn't even listen to the way you were spelling. Huisach. Huisach. And cactus. It's an environment largely inhabited by rattlesnakes and feral hogs. Huisach. Texas Ranger Nick Hanna. Huisach. Could not discuss Brandon's case because it's an active investigation. But Lofton said Hannah told her he thinks Brandon's body Huisach is somewhere out there in the land. Huisach. We need that one on a fan too. It's almost like Wazinga. Huisach Wazinga. That's what you do when you meet somebody else that knows about our spooky podcast. The greeting is Huisach Wazinga. How do you spell this thing that you're freaking out about? H U I S A C H E. A C H E. Huisach. It's an acacia. Huisach acacia was Inga. Is the Huisach native to Texas? We're probably saying it wrong. I want to know how to say it. Oh, this is from Aggie Horticulture. It's Huisach. H U I only makes one sound, and S A C H E only makes one sound. It's Huisachi. We such. We such. We such. We such. That's what I said. We such. Here, here, and here. Buster Hatches? No. No. Spoopy. Hold on, hold on. Play it. We such. We such. We such. We such. We such. Anyway. Anyways. 
I got most of it right. Yeah. I just didn't put the E at the end. You were putting a very hard H in there. Huisat. <laughs> yeah. Huisat. If you're from San Angelo, you say Huisachi. Okay. <laughs> in an email, Hannon did provide information on the efforts to locate Brandon and Bronte with physical searches conducted on four occasions in August, September, October, and then January of the next year, February of the next year, and then last in July of 2014. So a full year after, more than a full year. Mm -hmm. These searches included two DPS helicopters, ATV, Texar, whatever Texar is, T-E-X-S-A-R, Texas Emergency. No, there's an X. Tex. T-E-X, search and rescue. No, Texas Emergency Xylophone Search and Rescue. Six cadaver dogs and four different agencies at one time. You just don't want to say that I'm right. <laughs> Listen, Huisach. It's a tough case. People always want to blame it on law enforcement that they didn't do a good job, but they only have so many resources. Paul Boudreaux, private investigator. Okay. Since Brandon went missing, Hannah has received leads of possible sightings all of which had been determined to not be Mr. Lawson, he wrote. Private investigator, investigator Paula Boudreaux understands the family's frustration. So is he hired by the government or did they hire him? Private investigator. Yeah, I know. That's what I question. Like, did they hire this private investigator? Like, hey, go find out if this guy actually ran away because we need to know. Like, Yeah. <laughs> he did a lot of meth that night. Yeah. We need to know. We, we know he did a lot of meth, so... We go find him. He's out in the world somewhere. We don't support the things that we just said. What? And if he's really missing, no, he is really missing. And we really hope that he's, there's a uh, conclusion there to this. There is an explanation to this at some point. And we feel a great sorrow and loss for the family. Okay. Yes, we do. God, you fucking monster. <laughs> It's a tough case. People always want to blame it on law enforcement that they didn't do a good job, Boudreaux said, the second private investigator Lofton had hired. But she said they only have so many resources, just like me. Coming on yeah, to the she case. Hired a fucking private coming on to the case with fresh eyes, Huisach, Lofton said. Boudreaux is tracking down leads when they come up, usually from the Help Find Brandon Lawson Facebook page, which has nifty, nearly 15,000 likes. Oh, my God. You never know. A little something might come. A big something, Lofton said about tips. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Might become big oh, something. Oh, I've heard that before, Ooh. too. Same, Lawton. Yeah, same, Ladessa. Hashtag same. Um, <laughs> when it comes to the searching the area, some landowners wouldn't allow Boudreaux or Brandon's family on the property. But Boudreaux said she had been told by the rangers and sheriffs that they've cleared the land. In four separate searches using search dogs, she was able to clear land west of US 277 south of Highway 150 to Humble Road, as well as the land east of 277 south of Main Street just to the west of Highway 285. For the private land within those quadrants where its owners would not allow her onto the property, her response was, I'll just fly over your land. I have binoculars, she said, taking helicopter trips over the area on two separate occasions. But Boudreaux said she hasn't been back to Bronte to clear more land for almost two years. You do all that you can with what you know, she said. Then, at some point, you just got to sit back and wait. Lofton, Lofton is waiting to hear back from U.S. Equisearch, or Texas Equisearch, a nonprofit search and recovery team that uses horses to cover large areas. We've heard of 
deck desserts before. When? In another one that we did. Call back to which episode before this? The one that I did, Huisach. Uh, <laughs> nonprofit, blah, blah, blah. Uses planes to fly over the areas as uh, large areas as well. Can I help you? Finding Brandon, whatever the outcome, the Lawton family said, would help. <laughs> Don't you have to, like, put a sticker on something? What is it? I'm so intrigued. This is so fun. <clears throat> this podcast has been all over the place, and I fucking love it. Anyways, it doesn't get any easier, Brad said, about not knowing what happened to his son. Each day, you'd wonder if you're going to get that call. It's not every once in a while. Every day, you wonder if you're going to get that call. It's not every once in a while? Yeah. Okay. All along, I've stated the fact that I would like to find Brandon and bring him home where he belongs, he continued. The chances of us finding Brandon alive are almost none, and I understand that, and I realize that, but he's not here. He deserves to be brought home to his family. For now, the red and white cross bearing Brandon's name, that of his grandfather, made, gives his, that his grandfather made gives his family a place to visit every few months. Did they put it on the road where he they found his car? Mm-hmm. I just want to find him. What? I just want to find him to have closure on where he's at. Are you bored? Then we'll get to the point of what happened, Lofton said. Finding him. No matter what, we would have to visit somewhere that is not just a cross. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Uh, are, is it done? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so do we? Is this the point where we get to have our theories now? Yeah. A- am I allowed to be sens- insensitive for our theories? No. I'm going to be. I think that he was very messed up on meth, and I think that was part of the fight with his girlfriend. And I think she knows it, and she hasn't mentioned any of that um, because I think he came home already uh, messed up on whatever drugs he was doing, and she was like, "Get the fuck out!" And so they were not happy with each other. So then he drove out in the middle of nowhere, thought that people were chasing him, ran into a field in the middle of nowhere, and just basically kept on fucking going. I think he's dead or somewhere out there, and I think something ate him. Out in someone's land. Cause that, all that, there's basically no land that are untouched by humans out in the middle of out there that are untouched by the people who own those pieces of land. So his bones and body could be, could be out there for days, and animals of all walks of life could be out there that ate everything. He took his bones every which way, so he's not going to ever be found. Huisach. Yeah. That's my theory, because we're doing mysteries this month, and uh, also every single time that I think that we're doing mysteries, I think of the uh, episode of SpongeBob, and I'm like, mystery, Wiesna. Do you remember that episode? Wiesna. Yes. <laughs> it's so close mystery. to Wiesach. Mystery. Yeah, oh, my God. Wiesna. Wiesna. Wiesach. No, it's not Wisachi. Oh it's Wisachi. It is Wisachi. Anyway, so that's my theory. So what is Don't your... Don't touch Barbara. Uh, what is your theory? Similar. Okay. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. You don't think he, that he was eaten by animals? I don't think so. You, oh, you think the exact same thing? No. No, never. Yes, it's true. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I think that he was mapped out, and I think that it was already from the beginning, and I think both his, his excuse me, brother and wife both knew that. Um, I don't think his brother knew that. Well, okay, his brother at least knew that he was involved with drugs. I think he, his brother might have think might think that he's... No, yeah, I think so. 
I think that he definitely knew that he was on drugs because he even asked him in the first phone call. The, the, you read it from the article. That hey. he, uh, you high? <laughs> you high? Like, I mean, and it doesn't just mean like on, uh, you know, the marijuana. I mean, it could be any sorts of high. You, know? you really having a good time? You're high on life? That You can get arrested for that. I mean, <laughs> this is in California. Yeah. So if you are listening to this podcast, you should let us know your thoughts on Brandon Lawson and what happened to him at OurSpeakingPodcast.com. OurSpeakingPodcast.com. We should get a jingle. Oh, my God. Neither of us can sing at all. So <laughs> speak for your fucking self. Bitch, where? We got a jingle <laughs> for you. That's our spoopy podcast.com. Yep. I heard all of those oh, notes. That you, oh, spoopy <laughs> podcast. Here you want to harmonize? Uh, you ready? Ready? Uh-huh. Oh, spoopy podcast. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, so is this the point where we're supposed to plug another sponsor? No, this is the point where we're supposed to plug our singing. He said you that can we find have to our singing. Uh, do we have what? What is that thing where they sold CDs on the television in the nineties? MTV, Jock Jams, oh. twelve editions for only nineteen ninety five. Okay, well I'm gonna do it then. Um, hold on, I have to find it first. Listen to hits like "I Will Always Love You" by Spencer and Chris. That's terrible. Oh, searching. Sur- oh, I didn't find it. And also, hits like <coughs> oh, no. uh, Come On Over by Shania Twain. Come on over. <laughs> I don't know this one. Oh, fuck. Okay, what do we <laughs> know? Uh, TikTok by Kesha. TikTok on the clock, but the clock don't stop. Okay. Okay, I'm trying to find the... There's nothing. You got nothing. Oh my god, I already have it. Yeah, it's god not here. Fucking bitch. I'm trying. <laughs> hey! Oh. Are no, you a small business owner trying to do it all? Take marketing, for example. Nowadays, your business has to have an FBIGTWNLI account. That's for Who? the people that don't know. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Who has time to take pictures, write posts, and get them posted online, let alone like, comment, share, and respond to followers? I have no time for that. Don't worry. Why not? Economy Works is here to help. Oh, thank God. Economy Works Talent Network helps you to do marketing so that you can grow your business. Economy, economy works. works. When we work, the, the economy, economy works. works. Find out more at economyworks.com. That's E C O N O M I W O R K S dot com. That's E C O N O M I W O R K S dot com. You never let me read the Economy Works commercial. <laughs> Listen. Listen. The Economy Works uh, logo theme song by Spencer and Chris. Oh, boy. Economy Works. Economy Works. Economy. Do more with less to make your business grow. Economy Works. Oh, my God. <laughs> Honestly, our best hit. That was, that was, that was good. That was good. That was I feel like that was a, a jingle like it, as a lead-in to an 80s sitcom. Yeah. Like Golden Girls? It's almost like one of the like, the more you know. What's that one that has a shooting star? Is that the more, the you, more know. you know? Okay. Yeah. Reading Rainbow. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's kind of like what I was getting the vibe on. Mm-hmm. Well, 
You ready to talk about more spooky stuff? I would love to. Oh, my God. Do you want to know about the mystery of Mary Celeste? Mary Celeste? Well, first I Wait, wait no. She's the one that created that lipstick that I like a lot, right? Mary Celeste? No. What? I don't know who that is. Mary Celeste. Mary. Oh, Mary Kay. First, I have to get your help first. Because I, I think this really is like a, a French thing. Mm-hmm. It's from Canada. So I have to get you to read this word for me so that I can pronounce it the millions of times that it's in here. Like huisach? Yes. Um, okay. Did they decided to not be in here anymore? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Still moving on. And I'm just talking because I've got things here. Where are you going? Um, okay. There's a jingle from Canada about a mattress company called Sleep Country Canada. And it says... Sleep country Canada. Why oh, buy a mattress anywhere else? Ding. I love jingles. Me too. We love jingles in this podcast. This is the jingle podcast. Tell us your favorite jingle. So we've got our spoopy podcast, our rupee podcast, and our jingle podcast. Mm-hmm. Our jingle podcast, where we only talk about jingles. <laughs> I believe the year was 1988 uh, when uh, Arrow Street came out with their lead single, Arrow Polstery. Let's call or just call Arrow. Arrow upholstery. Okay, this one. Created by John Bingham in 1988. De Gracia. De Gracia? De Gracia. De Gratia? That's Latin. Oh, I thought it was French. Because it's from Canada. So that's why it's just. Uh, we have culture. Oh, you think you're Latin now? Oh, yeah. Mm. De Gratia. Okay. That's what I'm going to say. We're going to go with it. Okay. Well, let's talk about the mystery of Mary Celeste. And when when I first looked this up, I thought... Me about Edinburgh. I thought that... <laughs> you can just ask her. She knows how to say it. Yeah. I bet she does. Mm-hmm. Better than you do. Hey, Karen, what's the Her name is Quentin. Hey, Karen, what's the pronunciation here? Why don't you call a manager? Let us know. You're just grumpy. That's 281, manager, manager, You're manager. You're just grumpy because you found out that you have a lisp. I don't have a fucking list. <laughs> grumpy, grumpy. Hey, we're fighting. Okay. Well, little did you know that Mary Celeste is not a person. Let's talk about it. The keel, which is the bottom part of a boat that would become Mary Celeste, who is a boat. Look at this. Oh, that's kind of cool. Is it's it magnetic? Of, no, it's a sticker. No. Oh. So I can only use it one time. <laughs> you just ruined it on a white cloth. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck am I going to put signature care ER on for? I don't know. You just gave them a sponsor for free. Huh? They're sponsored by... Economy Works. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> okay, so uh, the keel, which is the bottom part of the boat, would become that would become Mary Celeste, was laid in 1860 in the village of Spencer's Island. What? On the shores of the Bay of Fundy in Nova Scotia. Do you know where all this is? Yeah. Oh well, I don't God. know where Spencer's Bay is. You don't know is, where Nova Scotia is? Nova Scotia is the province right next to New Brunswick. Oh, cool. Well, the what? Bay of Fundy. Yeah. Is it spelled S-P-E-N-C-E-R? Yeah. What? Spencer, you have an island named after you in Canada. Hold on. Let me go a little bit higher Excuse for this me. last one. What? <laughs> the ship was constructed of locally felled timber with two masts and was rigged as a brigantine. And she was a... She was... Carvel built with the whole. Oh my gosh, hold on. She was Carvel built with the whole planking flush rather than overlapping. She was launched on May 18th of 1961 and given the name Amazon. Amazon. And registered at nearby Parsboro on June 10th of 1861. Uh, it's Parsburg. 
Thanks, Karen. It's spelled Parsboro. Oh, okay. Um, her registration documents described her as 99.3 feet in length, 25.5 feet broad, with a depth of 11.7 feet, and a gross tonnage of 198.42. Um, this is it's from Canada? She, yes, yeah, she was born in Canada. Okay, can we get that in meters and kilograms, it was written please? In, it was written in meters, and I did not. Uh, I erased those. <laughs> um, okay, so it's legally mandated by the government of Canada that you'll have to provide that in kilos and meters, please. So the tonnage was not provided in kilos. The only thing that was provided in the metric was... Uh, we never use kilos anyway. Okay, good. <laughs> what glad. happened? What have you been doing to my phone? He has been up in our podcast business today. <laughs> Remember when you guys fought about Pete Booty Hole for yeah. six minutes? Longer than that. Spoopy. Okay, anyways, I'm going to continue. Uh-huh. Um, so for her maiden voyage in June of 1861, the Amazon sailed to, or I'm sorry, not the Amazon, Amazon sailed to five islands to take on a cargo of timber for passage across the Atlantic to London. After supervising the ship's London, loading... London, Ontario, or London? London. London, London. Across the Atlantic? And said across the Atlantic? So yeah, London. but maybe you, like, went all the way around the other way. <laughs> After supervising the ship's loading, Captain McClellan fell ill... His condition worsened, and Amazon returned to Spencer's Island, where McClellan died on June 19th. So yeah, the captain where was the captain. Of the island? Ship. Captain was captain of the ship for less than a month, and he was like, oh, <laughs> got the coronavirus. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Um, and he died. Um, so then John Nutting Parker took <laughs> Nutting. His <laughs> took over as captain and resumed the voyage to London, in the course of which Amazon encountered further misadventures. She collided with fishing equipment in the narrows off Eastport, Maine, and after leaving London, ran into and sank a brig in the English Channel, which is hilarious. Parker remained in command for two years, during which Amazon worked mainly in the West Indies trade. In 1863, Parker was succeeded by William Thompson, who remained in command until 1867. These were the quiet years. Amazon's mate later recalled that we went to the West Indies, England, and the Mediterranean, what we call the foreign trade. Not a thing unusual, not a thing unusual happened. In October of 1867, at Cape Breton Island, uh, Amazon was driven ashore in a storm and was so badly damaged that her owners abandoned her as a wreck. On what? Uh, nothing. Just going forward, I'm going to need you to put a Canadian accent on any no. kind of a quote. They're not all Canadian. Oh, wait. It, right now they are. But in a minute, they won't be. Okay. But for the time going, can we please uh, be yeah, nice to my request? Yeah, okay, I can do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. On October 15th, she was acquired as a derelict, which is basically a shipwreck, uh, by Alexander McBean of Glace Bay, Nova Scotia. Within a month, McBean sold the wreck to a local businessman who, in November of 1868, sold it to Richard W. Haynes, an American mariner from New York. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so now we're in America. But still moving forward, <laughs> can we keep the heritage of the ship and make everyone Canadian? No. 
Um, because okay. well, some you exhibit- just do the quotes and, and then I will reinterpret them. You're gonna translate them into Canadian speak? Oh, me? yeah, bud. okay. Let me get right on it for you. <laughs> Haynes paid uh, $1,750 for the racks, this is US dollars, and then spent $8,825 restoring it, which I assume in 1868 that was a lot of money. Um, hell yeah, hell like yeah, brother. <laughs> hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, brother. A hundred dollars was like. Hella Skrilla. Like, let me just go and buy a full bushel of sheep's yarn. Well, he bought a ship. I mean, $100 is a full bushel of sheep's he yarn. He paid less than $2,000 for a full-ass ship. A whole-ass ship. A full-ass ship. Not just a whole-ass ship. This is like a fucking ship ship. You know what I'm saying? 100 feet long. That's a long ass boat. That's a big ass boat. <laughs> That's a big ass boat. That could be like a fucking yacht nowadays. I mean, I mean. Did you know that the Titanic was like nothing compared to our ships? Today? Yeah, I know, like cruise ships compared to cruise ships. It's like, oh, you poor thing, you tried. Oh my god, it's four <laughs> stories, guys. <laughs> we did it. Get on Carnival. We have sixteen <laughs> floors and a whole pool. And there are four buffets on every single one you of them. You wanna get drunk? We, we got have... fourteen gallons of liquor for every person. <laughs> we also have a water slide that towers seven stories above that. You wanna go skydiving? Jump off Just... the top. <laughs> We're already fourteen thousand feet in the air. We have dolphins <laughs> on board. <laughs> Honestly, we're getting to that point. <coughs> Wait, I feel like I need to do like the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Just do it, do it. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Carnival. 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 Yeah, exactly that. Um, so then at that point, Haynes made himself her captain and in December of 1868 registered her with the Collectors of Customs in New York as an American vessel under a new name, Mary Celeste. You keep making a noise like you're going to start saying something. Let's you just name it Mary. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, bud, let's name this Mary Celeste. That's He's a good New York. name Give for him at least a like boat. a New York accent. Oh, my God. I read the funniest white people oh tweet God, earlier. Let's do it. Let's hear it. Shit. I don't know if I saved it. Shit. Keep going. I'll bring it up Okay, later. okay. Um, so in October of 1868, the ship was seized by Haynes's creditors. And so he basically was like, I got tons of money. And then he's like, oh, fuck, no, I don't. Uh, and he sold it to, the, to a New York consortium headed by James H. Winchester. During the next three years, the composition of this consortium changed several times, although Winchester retained at least half a half share throughout. There is no record of Mary Celeste's trading activities during this period. Early in 1872, the ship underwent a major refit, costing $10,000, which enlarged her considerably. Ooh. Sorry. How the fuck did you not turn your sound off? I had it on because we heard, had to hear Wisachi, remember? Oh, this one's funny. Okay. This, Is this morning the one? at 7-Eleven, I saw a woman slip a donut onto her finger and say, Look who's married now, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the one. That's not even related. Oh no! It was it was like uh, nobody, somebody from New York. I'm from New York. Uh, I have three roommates. Two of them are rats. We eat pizza every day for dinner, and my rent is four thousand dollars a second. <laughs> True. And then everybody laughed. Yeah, I just laughed. Thomas. Thank you. You hear his lisp. <laughs> 
in his lap. You're such a lispy laugh, Stuffy. <laughs> 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 so, among the structural changes, a second deck was added, and inspector's report refers to extension to the poop deck, new transoms, because that's what the fucking windows above a door are called. That's the window above the door. It's called a transom. Or known as a window above a door. <laughs> and the replacement of many tembas. On October 29th of 1872, the consortium was made up of Winchester. What? The consortium was made up of Winchester with six twelfths of a share. No, six twelfths of the share. Two miners and. Oh my God. Two minor investors with one twelfth apiece, with the remaining four twelfths held by the ship's new captain, Benjamin Spooner Briggs. Benjamin Spooner. I know, seriously. There's a lot of like, like really like suggestive names in here. Um, Nottingham. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Briggs was born in Wareham, Wareham, Massachusetts on April 24th of 1835. One of five sons of the sea captain, Nathan Briggs. All but one of the sons went to sea, two becoming captains. 1862, he married his cousin, uh, oh, Sarah good. Elizabeth. Well, it's, it's, this, is a eight, this is the 60s, the 1860s. You're allowed, it's the 60s. <laughs> you're allowed to Do come. a little LSD. <laughs> marry your cousin. <laughs> this is not Alabama. Okay, come down. Um. Yeah, memories from our sweet. first oh. episode of yeah. our oh, sweet fine. podcast. Oh. Yep. Is that our jingle now? Uh-huh. Oh my god, we should start. Okay. Anyways, um, her name was Sarah Elizabeth Cobb, and she enjoyed a Mediterranean. No, they enjoyed a Mediterranean honeymoon on board of his schooner called schooner. the Ford's Schooner. No. S C H N double O R. Yeah. Um, called the Forest King. Um, two ch- two children <laughs> were born. <laughs> Just keep looking. Look. <laughs> <laughs> two children were born. Son Arthur in uh, September of 1865 and daughter Sophia Matilda ew, in October of 1870. By the time of Sophia's birth, Briggs had achieved a high standing within his profession. Nevertheless, he considered retiring from the sea to go into business with his seafaring brother, Oliver, who had also grown tired of the wandering life. Can you imagine it being 2020 and being like, your name is Sophia Matilda, and people are like, oh, that's a beautiful name. It's so pretty. Is it though? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm sorry to anyone who's named Sophia Matilda. We love you listening to our podcast. Those um, names are okay, ow. maybe by themselves, but not together. Gertrude. <laughs> Gertie. <laughs> Gertie. Um, they did not proceed with this project, but instead each invested his savings in a share of a ship. Oliver in the ship Julia A. Hollock, and Benjamin, of course, in Mary Celeste. Uh, giving them women names just. It's a lot. In October of 1872, Benjamin took... And my ship named Mrs. Hollingsworth 14. <laughs> Benjamin... Mrs. Kasha Davis. Mrs. Kasha, the perfect yes. name for a ship. Mrs. K- MKD. I love that. She wears a neck... Do you follow her on Instagram? Uh-uh. She cracks me the fuck up. And I She's cannot wait hilarious. for her to come back for All Stars because she wears a massive necklace that just says MKD all the time. Like... And it's it's like full on just like garbage jewelry, massive. I love it. She there's always time for a cocktail. There's always time for a cocktail. I think she's sober though, so there's never any time for any cocktails. Oh, you can make faux cocktails. So then you, they're called mocktails. You're right. You're right. There's always time for a mocktail. You can't just change your famous saying. 
She's got a transatlantic transatlantic accent for some reason. Yeah. There's well, always she, time for cocktails, darling. She performs a lot in Provincetown, so maybe maybe she's just kind of gotten that, you know, Massachusetts hey, hey, accent. Hey, Shirley Temple. <laughs> you know? No. Shirley Temple. Uh, right? I don't. Ah, I don't Shirley Temple. It. Is she from Massachusetts? Okay, I'm going to keep going. So <laughs> it's a drink. Yeah, I know that. In October of 1872, Benjamin Sweet took command. No 40s actresses that you. Benjamin took command. Uh, Joan Crawford. I mean, um, come on. Betty Davis. <laughs> Benjamin took command of Mary Celeste for her first voyage following her extensive New York refit, which was to take her to Genoa in Italy. He rearranged, no, he arranged for his wife and his infant daughter to accompany him while his school aged son was left home with his grandmother. Briggs chose the crew for his voyage with care. His first mate, Albert G. Richardson, was married to a niece of Winchester, who is the guy who owns half the ship, um, and had sailed under Briggs before. Second mate, Andrew Gilling, aged about 25, was born in New York and was of Danish extraction. The steward... What? Extraction? I assume, like, descent. He's probably, like, he left... Kind of like... Denmark. We're going to squeeze you out of Danish. Like, popping a Danish. Ew. The, what are they trying to fucking say? I don't know. The steward, newly married Edward William Head, was signed on with a personal recommendation from Winchester. You're not lying about these names. No, I'm told. I told you they're all super gay. Um, and then there was four general seamen who, <laughs> who, who were all Germans from the Frisian Islands: the brothers Volkert and Boz Lorenzen, uh, Arian Martez Martens. And Gottlieb Gutschall. Martins means butthole in English. Does it? No. No. Um, Gutschleb? Gutschleb. Gu- Gu- damn it. Gutschall. Gutsch? Gutschall. So Gutsch is in there. Yeah, fine. That's good. Uh, no, too. Gud. It's just G O U D. Oh. Gutschall. That's how you spell good in English. No. How was it? Good. <laughs> Stop. A later testimonial described them as peaceable and first-class sailors. In a letter to his mother shortly before the voyage, Briggs declared himself eminently satisfied with the ship and crew. Sarah Briggs informed her mother that the crew appeared to be quiet, quietly capable if they continue as they have begun. That was like a quote. I was making a voice. That was her. women voice? Yeah. I think it needs to be a little bit more like New York in the 1860s. If they continue as they have begun. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. If they continue as they began. Why are they like uh, of Italian descent? That's just New York. No. no. New York. It's New York. It's New York. My rent is $4,000 a second. (laughs) On October 20th of 1872, Briggs arrived at Pier 50 on the East River in New York City to supervise the loading of the ship's cargo of 1,701 barrels of denatured alcohol. His wife and baby daughter joined him a week later. Name the things again because I said huisach over them. No, that was it. Just 1,701 barrels of denatured alcohol. Huisach. On Sunday... On Sunday, November 3rd, Briggs wrote to his mother to say that he intended to leave on Tuesday, adding that our vessel is in beautiful trim and I hope we shall have a fine passage. 
On Tuesday morning, Mary Celeste left Pier 50 with Briggs, his wife, and daughter, and the seven crew members, and moved into New York Harbor. The weather was uncertain, and Briggs decided to wait for better conditions. He anchored the ship just off of Staten Island, where Sarah used the delay to send a final letter to her mother-in-law. Tell Arthur, she wrote, I make great dependence on the letters I shall get from him, and will try to remember anything that happens on the voyage, which he would be pleased to hear. The weather eased two days later, and Mary Celeste left the harbor and entered the Atlantic. While Mary Celeste prepared to sail, the Canadian brigantine what do you say, da, da, De Gratia? Dia Gratia. Dia Gratia lay nearby in Hoboken, New Jersey, awaiting a cargo of petroleum destined for Genoa via Gibraltar. Captain David Morehouse the f- and first mate Oliver DeVoe were Nova Scotians, both highly experienced and respected seamen. Captains Briggs, uh, Captains Briggs and Morehouse shared common interests, and some writers think it was likely they knew each other, if only casually. Some accounts assert that they were close friends who dined together on the evening before Mary Celeste's departure, but the evidence for this is limited to a recollection by Morehouse's widow 50 years after the event. So the only person who was like, yeah, they totally ate together were, was this widow that was like, well, I'll tell you about it 50 years later. Okay, so are you a reliable source? No. Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, that's what I meant. Dea Gratia departed for Gibraltar on November 15th, following the same general route eight days after Mary Celeste. Dea Gratia had reached a position midway between the Azores and the coast of Portugal at about 1 p.m. on Wednesday, December 4th, 1872. So they left on November 8th. The Mary, Mary Celeste did. And then Dia Gratia left on November 15th. And then on Wednesday, December 4th, um, the Captain Morehouse came on deck and the helmsman reported a vessel about six miles distant heading unsteadily towards the Dia Gratia. The ship's erratic movements and the odd set of her sails led Morehouse to suspect, suspect Pirate. that something was wrong. As oh. the vessel drew close, he could see nobody on deck and received no reply to his signals. So he sent DeVoe and a second mate, John Wright, in the ship's boat to investigate. The pair established that this was the Mary Celeste by the name on her stern. They then climbed aboard and found, or, yeah, aboard and found the ship deserted. The sails were partly set in a and in poor condition, some missing altogether, and much of the rigged rigging was damaged with ropes hanging cl- loosely over the sides. Oh my gosh! The main hatch cover was secure, but the fore and lazarette hatches were open. Their covers besides them on the deck. The ship's single lifeboat was a small yawl that had apparently been stowed across the main hatch, but it was missing. While the uh, binnacle housing. The ship's compass had shifted from its place and its glass cover has broken, was broken. There was about 3.5 feet of water, three and a half feet of water in the hold. I don't know why I said it so matter of factly. Um, a significant amount, but not alarming for a ship of its size. The make, a makeshift sounding rod, which is a device for measuring the amount of water in the hold, was found abandoned on the deck. They found the ship's daily log in the mate's cabin and its final entry was dated at 8 a.m. on November 25th, nine days prior. It recorded Mary Celeste's position then off of the Santa Maria Island in the Azores, nearly 400 nautical miles from the point where De Gracia encountered her. DeVoe saw that the cabin interiors were wet and untidy from the water that had entered through doorways and skylights, but were otherwise in reasonable order. He found personal 
items scattered about Briggs's cabin, including a sheathed sword under the bed, but most of the ship's papers were missing along with the captain's navigational instruments. The galley equipment was neatly stowed away, and there was no food prepared or under preparation, but there were ample provisions in the stores. So there was no one that was, like, making food, so it didn't look like they left, like, abruptly, abruptly, but, like, they left all their food and shit. Uh, there was no obvious signs of fire or violence. The evidence indicated an orderly departure from the ship by means of the missing lifeboat. DeVoe returned to report these findings to Morehouse, who decided to bring the derelict to Gibraltar 600 nautical miles away. So for you Canadians, it was 1,100 kilometers. Oh. Oh, got it. Um, so under maritime law, a salver... A salver could expect a substantial share of the combined value of rescued vessels and cargo, the exact award depending on the degree of danger inherent in the salvaging. So Morehouse divided De Gratia's crew of eight between the two vessels, sending DeVoe and two experienced seamen to Mary Celeste, while he and the other four remained on the De Gratia. The weather was luckily relatively calm for them for most of the way to Gibraltar, but each ship was seriously undermanned and the progress was very slow. De Gratia reached Gibraltar on December 12th. Mary Celeste had encountered the fog and arrived the following morning. She was immediately impounded by the Vice Admiralty. 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 How would you say that? Admiralty. Admiralty. Uh, court to prepare for salvage hearings. DeVoe wrote to his wife that the ordeal of bringing the ship in was such that I can hardly tell what I am made of, but I do not care so long as I got in safe. I shall be well paid for the Mary Celeste. An investigation or salvage court hearing was conducted, spearheaded by Frederick Sully Flood, the Attorney General of Gibraltar. So this was a huge paragraph, and I just did not include all of it, so I'm going to make a very long story short. Um, he found some gashes inside of the boat and traces of what he thought was blood in like three different areas. Blue. The report emphasized that the ship did not seem to have been struck by, a heavy, by heavy weather, nor had it been involved in a collision or run aground. So they had someone dive underneath and were like, the bottom's up fine. Um, this is all. Where is it going to run aground in the middle of the fucking Atlantic Ocean? Uh, they, I mean, they w were by Santa Maria Island, so they thought that it was possible that um, they hit coral reefs. Mm. Um, this all led him to the conclusion that this was a human wrongdoing, not a natural disaster. He added his own conclusion that the crew had got at the alcohol, even though the alcohol was denatured alcohol, which means that it's got like poisons and stuff like that in it, which mean that you can't drink it. It's, it'd be like drinking isopropyl alcohol. Like, you don't drink the stuff that you put in your ear. It tastes disgusting. It's not good for you. You put isopropyl alcohol in your ear? It's what swimmer's earrings. What are you laughing at? <laughs> I've never put isopropyl alcohol in my ear. Do you, not, do you know, like, the little bottle that says swim ears? swimmer's ear? No. Like, when you've got water in your ear and you put, like, alcohol in your ear? No. Yeah, okay. Well, that's what... It's isopropyl alcohol. I just jumped it out like everyone's supposed to no okay oh my god <laughs> so he added his own conclusions that he oh had got god, the alcohol some water in my ear i'm a baby <sighs> keep going <laughs> so then 
so he thinks that they got into the alcohol, even though it wasn't actually drinkable, and then murdered the Briggs family and the ship's officers in a drunken frenzy. Um, they had then cut the bowels to simulate a di- uh, collision and then fled in the yawl to suffer the unknown, uh, an unknown fate. Flood thought that Morehouse and his men were hiding something, specifically that Mary Celeste had been abandoned in a more easterly location the, that the log had been Ill, and that the log had been doctored to fit like exactly what they wanted it to. He could not accept that the Mary Celeste could have traveled so far while completely unmanned. Which, if you're in the trade winds, and even if you have, like, at least one working sail, it can take you there. I mean, that's where the trade winds are going. Uh Quote, Chris, expert sailor. No, shut the fuck up. A couple of snags in his theory, however, uh, were determined from experts. The stains were actually not blood, which, that's cool. Um, Cranberries. And that the cuts were made from natural maritime travel, so probably, like, bumping into other ships or, you know, just being out in salty air and wind and water, like possibly did that. So there was nothing concrete to support his suspicions. Flood reluctantly released Mary Celeste from the court's jurisdiction on February 25th. Two weeks later, with a locally raised crew headed for headed by Captain George Blatchford from Massachusetts, she left Gibraltar for Genoa. So then two months later, on April 8th, the salvage payment was decided, which was one-fifth of the value of the ship and the goods. The judge basically believed that there was some sort of foul play was involved, and they were highly suspicious of Morehouse and his crew. So even though they brought in this ship with all this materials and shit like that on it, they were still like, I don't trust you, so we're not paying you very much. And so they gave them this tiny amount. Um, so here are some theories. <gasps> um, I already have one. <clears throat> Well, we're going to go through these first, and you can give me your theory, okay? Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Because uh, I've got three and a half pages of theories. Um, so, the, yeah. so the evidence in Gibraltar failed to support Flood's theories of murder and conspiracy, yet suspicion lingered of foul play. Flood and some uh, newspaper reports briefly suspected insurance fraud on the part of Winchester on the basis that Mary Celeste had been heavily overinsured. Winchester was able to refute these allegations and no inquiry was instituted by the insurance companies that issued the policies. What'd you call me? In- instituted? You said inquiry? Inquiry. I am offended. You, well, that's what you get. You little inquiry. Oh! <laughs> so then in 1931, and we're talking 1931, that means like 70 almost 60 years, years, later. 60 years later. Yeah. Uh, an article in the Quarterly Review suggested that Morehouse could have lain in wait for Mary Celeste and then lured Briggs and his crew aboard the De Gratia and killed them there. There are arguments that this theory ignores the fact that De Gratia was the slower ship and that she left New York eight days after Mary Celeste and would not have been able to catch up to Mary Celeste before she reached Gibraltar. Another theory posits that Briggs and Morehouse were partners in a conspiracy to share the salvage proceedings. The unsubstantiated friendship between the two captains has been cited by commentators as making such a plan a plausible explanation. Hicks comments that... I don't know who Hicks is. Um, I assume someone who wrote an article. uh, Comments that if Morehouse and Briggs had been planning such a scam, they would not have devised such an attention-drawing mystery. He also asked why Briggs left his son Arthur behind if he intended to disappear permanently. So if he was like, hey, let's go and get that money and disappear... Why the fuck did he leave his kid back home? <laughs> fuck Harold. Yeah. He's a dick. Arthur. Um, Arthur. Another suggested event was an attack by Riffian pirates who were active off the coast. Ruffian. 
No, it, it's spelled Riffian. R-I-F-I-A-N. Mm-hmm. I copied this directly from Wikipedia. <laughs> it was a mistake. Who <laughs> uh, were active off the coast of Morocco in, eight, in the 1870s. However, Charles Adi Fay observes that pirates would have looted the ship, yet the personal possessions of the captain and the crew were left undisturbed, some of quite significant value. In 1925, once again, almost 60 years after this happened. <laughs> These people are making some assumptions <clears throat> I know. later. Um, historian John Gilbert Lockhart uh, surmised that Briggs slaughtered all on board and then killed himself in a fit of religious mania. Lockhart later spoke to Briggs' descendants, and he ab- apologized and withdrew his theory in a later edition of his book. So basically he was like, oh, he probably killed everyone. And then uh, like everyone else was like, no, he didn't <coughs> kill anyone. So he's like, oh, you're right, sorry. Oh, d- who said that? That's oh, crazy. That's weird. Um, I mean, that doesn't, that one doesn't make sense. Because if he killed people, there would be bodies. Well, not necessarily the bodies. He could have thrown them overboard. But there would have been blood, and there was no blood found. Um, one theory is that the transfer of personnel to the yawl may have been intended as a temporary safety measure. It's speculated from the report on the, uh, on the state of the rigging and the ropes that the ship's main halyard had may have been used to attach the yawl to the ship, enabling the company to return on board when the danger had passed. However, Mary Celeste would have sailed away empty if the line had parted, leaving the yawl adrift with its occupants. So basically saying they tied the, the safety boat to the ship and hoping that it would stay while there was some danger on top of the ship, and then the line got Snapped. loose, and so then there was no way to get back to the, the ship, is basically what it's saying. Um... Critics note how illogical it would be to attach the yaw to a vessel that the crew thought was about to explode or sink. Critics point out that the brig, that Briggs was an experienced captain and asked whether he would have effected a panicked abandonment. If the Mary Celeste had blown her timbers, she would still have a better bet for survival than the ship's lifeboat. If this is what had happened, Briggs behaved like a fool or worse, a frightened one. I don't know how that's worse. Than just being a frightened fool. Uh, okay. Um, so basically, they were like, okay, the ship is about to explode or sink, so let's get off. But then maybe it won't explode or sink, so let's hope that it's, you know, we hold on. Um, moving on. Another theory is, of course, a natural phenomenon. Commentators generally agree that some extraordinary and alarming circumstance must have arisen to cause the entire crew to abandon a sound and seaworthy ship with ample provisions. Some ventured an explanation based on the sounding rod found on deck. It suggested that Briggs abandoned ship after a false sounding because of a malfunction of the pumps or other mishap, which gave a false impression that the vessel was taking on water rapidly. So basically they used the rod to see how deep the water was, and they were like, oh my god. This water's coming in fast. Let's get, get out. Fuck get off. out. Um, there's also the thought that a severe water spout strike before the abandonment could uh, explain the amount of water that was in the ship and that the ragged state of her rigging and, and sails. The low barometric pressure generated by the spout could have driven water from the bilges up into the pumps, leading the crew to assume that the ship had taken on more water than she had and was in danger of sinking. Others proffered... Proffered? Okay. That looks weird. Others proffered explanations um, that are, oh, that are possible. uh, Are the, there we go. Okay. Got it. I was missing an article there. Uh, Are the possible appearance of a displaced iceberg, the fear of running aground while becalmed, and a sudden sea quake. 
Hydrographical evidence suggests an iceberg drifting so far south was improbable. We're talking about like down between Spain and Africa. Like that's how far south we're talking. So that's cold. Yeah, I'm I'm not thinking that that's happening. I mean, um, and other ships would have seen a massive iceberg if it was that big and that far that south. far south. Exactly. Uh, some give more consideration to a theory that the Mary that Mary Celeste began drifting towards the Dollarbrat Reef off of Santa Maria Island when she was becalmed, so it hit the the reefs. Um, the theory supposes that the that Briggs feared that his ship would run aground and launch the yawl in hope of reaching land. The wind could have picked up and blown Mary Celeste away from the reef while the rising seas swamped and sank the yawl. Um, so basically, they were like, "Oh well, let's get to land while you know we maybe run into this reef." But then they didn't actually run into the reef, and then they sank. Um, weakness of this theory is that if the ship had been becalmed, all sails would have been set to catch any available breeze. Yet it was found with many of its sails furled. There's also the theory that an earthquake on the seabed, also called a sea quake, could have caused sufficient turbulence on the surface to damage parts of Mary Celeste's cargo, thus releasing noxious fumes. Rising fears of an imminent explosion could plausibly have led Briggs to order the ship's abandonment, and the displaced and uh, the d- displaced hatches suggest that an inspection or an attempted airing had taken place. So basically, they think that caused a bunch of water that you know shook it up, and that it shook up the alcohol and maybe spilled some, and they were like, "Ooh, smells like alcohol. Someone's gonna catch on fire." Um, so the New York World of two. Th- uh, I'm sorry, New York World. In January 24th of 1886, oh my lord, draw attention, drew attention to a case where a vessel carrying alcohol had exploded. So this is a little over 10 years later, and they were like, uh, this one just blew up with alcohol, so could have been possible. The same journal's issue on the 9th of February of 1913 cited the seepage seep of alcohol through a few porous barrels at the source of the gases that may have caused or threatened an explosion in Mary Celeste's hold. Briggs's cousin, Oliver Cobb, was a strong proponent of this theory as providing a sufficiently alarming scenario. Rumbling from the hold, the smell of escaping fumes, and possibly an explosion for Briggs to have ordered the evacuation of the ship. In his haste to leave the ship before it exploded, Briggs may have failed to properly secure the yawl or the tow line uh, to the tow line. A sudden breeze could have blown the ship away from the occupant the ship away from the occupants of the yawl, leaving them to succumb to the elements. The lack of damage from an explosion and the generally sound state of the cargo upon discovery tend to weaken this case. So in 2006, an experiment was carried out uh, for Channel 5 television by Andrea, Andrea Sella of University College in London, the results of which helped to revive the explosion theory. Sella built a model of the hold with paper cartons representing the barrels. Using butane gas, she created a explosion that caused a considerable blast and a ball of flame. But contrary to expectation, no, no fire damage within the replica hold. Um, what? I hit my ring. Slamming the table. Yeah, I'm, I'm just angry. What, re- what we created was a pressure wave type of explosion. There was a spectacular wave of flame, but behind it was relatively cool air. No soot was left behind, and there was no burning or scorching. So basically, so I've done this experiment in college. Basically, oh, you light more science from her. You take alcohol. I mean, isopropyl alcohol or you whatever alcohol, and basically like let it air out, and then you can light the air on fire, and it'll turn into like a little fireball, and then it's gone. So it didn't light anything on fire. It just created like a little 
burst, essentially. So it's possible they heard like explosion. They're like, get off the fucking ship. So they left, and then there wasn't actually any burns or anything like that, and everything was fine. Um, so in 1924, the Daily Express published a story from retired naval hero Captain R. Lucy, who alleged who alleged informant what? Oh, whose alleged informant was Mary Celeste's former bosun, even though no such person recorded in the registered crew list. In this tale, Briggs and his crew are cast in the role of predators. They cite a derelict steamer, which they board and find deserted with um, 3,500 euros of gold and silver in its safe. They decide to split the money, abandon Mary Celeste... No, not euros, pounds. What's the... That's... It's like the E with the flat bottom? Yeah. Like pounds. Okay, pounds, sorry. Um, They decide to split the money, abandon Mary Celeste, and seek new lives in Spain, which they reach using the steamer's lifeboats. Hastings finds it astonishing that an unlike that such an unlikely story was widely believed for a time. Readers, readers, he says, were fooled by the magic of print. So basically this random guy was like, no, I know. I know what happened. Once again, 50 years later, they definitely just got off the boat. They found another, another boat that was messed up. They left their boat messed up and stole the money and then went to Spain. Okay. That makes sense. Um... So Chambers' journal of uh, September 17th of 1904 suggests that the entire complement of Mary Celeste was plucked off one by one by a giant octopus or squid. Critics agree that such a creature could conceivably have picked off a crew crew member, but it could hardly have taken the yaw and the captain's navigational instruments. They were like, oh yeah, it probably could have eaten all those people. But... What about the lifeboat? Like, that, that's fishy. Um, others, other explanations have suggested paranormal intervention. An undated edition of the British Journal of Astrology described that the Mary Celeste story as a mystical experience, uh, connecting it with the Great Pyramids of Giza, the Lost Continent of Atlantis, and the British Israeli movement. I don't know what that is. So. The Br- British Israel movement. Um, Others think the Bermuda Triangle had been invoked, even though Mary Celeste was abandoned in a completely different part of the Atlantic. Uh, similar fantasies and theories of abduction by aliens and flying saucers also exist. So there's a lot of those out there. Of course, aliens. Everyone always oh, immediately, oh, and it's weird. Aliens. I mean, yeah. honestly. So what do you think happened? Um, I feel like the... the um, fake explosion, mm-hmm. like the false explosion where they were all like get off the ship i think that could have happened or i think it could be like rogue pirates yeah who just went on and took them as slaves or something and well they didn't steal anything they took the captain's instruments maybe they didn't want anything else but there was like all of their personal belongings yeah pirates are stupid okay fair enough i see that i think my biggest vote was um that they got off the boat because there was something going on with the Underneath, they think they. I think they smelled. I don't even know if there was actual explosions that happened. It's just they smelled the alcohol, and they're maybe not smart or not scientists or both. And they were just oh. like, oh. they're just <laughs> not scientists like uh, Chris White. I know you gotta be smart like me, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm having a stroke. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, um, so I think they just smelled the alcohol, and they were like, oh my god, oh my god, this ship's gonna blow. It's gonna I'm blow. so drunk off of these fumes I'm, right now. <laughs> I gotta get off the boat. Oh, 
Somebody help me. I think they all got off the boat and then they the the ship was like, oh, well, 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 well. And they, they got lost. Yep. Yeah. I guess what happened. And then the ship was lost for days and the wind was just blowing everyone's way and they were like, oh no, the, the ship. The ship. He's just disturbing all of the everything. Oopie. Anyways. <laughs> Oopie. Anyways. So yeah, that's. I thought that was a really interesting one because I was like, ooh, what is this mystery of Mary? Because I like Googled n- popular mysteries and it was like, Mystery of Mary Celeste. I'm like, ooh, who murdered who? And I just went on and I'm like, <gasps> it's a ship. <laughs> it's not a it's woman. It's not a woman. So it was really interesting. I thought it was cool. It's apparently like one of the big like historical naval mysteries. mysteries. Well, not just naval, just like historical mysteries. It's like the top 16 that this article wrote. Ugh, this article wrote. I had heard of the name before, but I never looked it up. Like this is amongst a list of like Jack the Ripper and Amelia Earhart. Like those it sort of is mysteries. Amelia Earhart. <gasps> Oh she was God, like, I'll get on she this was boat. Like, oh, I found this boat. Was gonna she was like, get in this plane, y'all. Yeah. I just, like, I felt that that was interesting that they kind of combined all those. Anyways, so that's my story. Wow. <laughs> what a mystery. Oh, mystery. 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 We Who is such? <laughs> I've got like a million um, cruise um, recommendations now because I bought a cruise. Oh, she's just a cruiser now. I just go on cruises now just for fun. It's like no big deal. No big deal. Well, I'm going to do more than that. So. Oh, yeah. Jacob, me too. No. Yeah, I don't believe it. You should do it. I think it's too late now. Not for Maybe for next year. Yeah. Huh? Nothing. To become American? Yeah. yeah. I can do it any (laughs) time. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways, so should we uh, tell people to um, listen to our sister podcast? Oh, yeah. Uh Let's Let's talk about... Let's get spooky with it. (laughs) No, it's... Let's Let's talk talk about gay stuff. (laughs) It's a podcast that talks about gay stuff. Surprise. And they have been doing this amazing thing, which I find really empowering, is highlighting... um, Black History Month as well. So Queer Black History Month. Mm. Um, and I find that very uh, fascinating because it gives us an insight to, you know, intersectionality of something within our own gay community that has provided, mm-hmm. created who we are as people nowadays. Marsha so. P. Johnson. Yeah, of course. Barack Obama. Yeah. Who else did you do? He didn't put Barack Obama on the list. Oh, they have to be gay. But it, he, there was I mean, passage of he gay, some gay stuff shit. whenever he was... Okay, that's fine. Um, well, uh, so Prince. Be, uh, Prince. Okay. Uh, okay, well, obviously Spencer doesn't know what he's talking um, about. So. That one guy from Queer Eye. Karamo? Huh? He, he, what, he, yeah, but what he's gay. He he's not a trailblazer. Who else? Daryl White. <laughs> no? No? Not pioneering he, I don't think we're just like listening our friends. <laughs> um, um. <so> we... <laughs> um, yeah, so you should definitely go follow them. Um, Check them out at let's talk about gay stuff.com, uh, Facebook.com slash let's talk about gay stuff, Instagram.com slash let's talk about gay stuff, and talk gay stuff on Twitter. <laughs> yep. And so you should always uh, listen to our spooky podcast, of course, always as you're doing it right now. Honestly. Um, but you should also. Um, <laughs> Get spooky, Get spooky with, with it. it.